0: Hey, everybody. It is Friday morning. Um, Is it Friday morning? It's Friday morning. That means it's by Live Day, and you are now listening to me, which I absolutely love. Love being able to come out here and share some of these stories with you guys. This week is going to be super cool. I am having so much fun with this week so far. I got to do some tubing today. I've been in the restaurant for the last couple of weeks, just banging out food and working with my staff and working with my crew, and I'm going to – talk about that in just a second. But what I want to tell you guys about right now is uh, our new sponsor, which you've heard me talk about before. Um, I've worn their hats in the past. You know how much I love the goddamn hat. I love hats. I wear them all the time. Uh, and I have way too many of them. Someday I'll take a picture of my office and my little hat collection of everything that hangs on the wall. But one of the most uh, used hats that I I do are from a company called Nogginware. So Nogginware.com. Um, they're a great company. They're an American company. They're based out of Connecticut. Uh, my buddy Scott is one of the owners up there. If you go to those guys and you use the code Chef Brideuff, they're going to take care of you. Great things about Nogginware: one, American company; two, free shipping; three, they're going to make you a little bit smarter when you get your hat in the mail. Trust me. Make sure you tell them they sent uh, that uh, Chef Bridef sent you over there to Nogginware.com. All right. So. Here's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to tell you guys really quick because I have a very long interview that's about to happen with a very, very, very cool dude. But um, this week was pretty awesome. You know, I, I, uh, I told you guys last week I hired a management company to come into Flying Fish Craft House and take care of uh, take care of the management of the restaurant. I am on the road um, a tremendous amount of time throughout the year, and unfortunately, I do not have the time to spend in the restaurant, as, as I really should as an owner. My partners are not restaurant people, um, but I am. So we hired a management company to come in and take my thoughts, my systems, my organization, and really nail them down. Put them down. We had some really, really tough months there with just jackass GMs. The first asshole went to jail, second guy was just a pure cock who used to stand in the middle of the dining room, and guess what, he can go fuck himself. I said it, guess what? Call the police, I really don't care. He was an asshole, he was a horrible hire. But from there... I got these guys from a company called MBB Management. They've come in, they've taken over the restaurant right now, and I'm super happy. And one of the reasons I'm super happy is because we're really starting to see the progression of service and culture and the transition from just a lackadaisical waste of a space server into somebody who really can get out there and sell and, 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 and get that culture that I believe in, that exceeding the expectation, that hospitality thread that needs to be laid down as the groundwork of every single property and on and with that happening i've been able to go into the restaurant i'm literally spending hours in the kitchen working with my guys and my girls and my front of house staff and and i'm 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 being more creative and i'm having a lot more fun You know, a lot of people reach out for a drug or a lot of people reach out for some other way. But for me, it's that opportunity to get into the kitchen and cook and teach and educate and have fun. So if you guys are out there right now um, and you're in Philly, come in and see me this week. I'll be here this week. I'll be there next week before I take off on the road again. I've got some crazy stuff coming up. I'm getting inducted into a fraternity down in New Orleans, which I'm hopefully going to be able to get something live down there that I'll do with you guys. My buddy Brad Bohannon called me. Um, told me that he wants me to go down there. So I'm going down to get inducted into a fraternity. So I'll be in new Orleans with Brad Bohannon who owns spirits on bourbon. If you're down there the week of two, three, and four in August, definitely stop by spirits on bourbon. Cause I got a feeling I'm going to be sitting in that little, uh, that little barber shop chair, getting shots poured down my throat. Um, but uh, with that, I went tubing this morning, uh, my girls and uh, a girl that I'm dating. We uh, took the day and we went tubing down the Delaware four and a half hours of just baking your bodies in the sun and laughing and having a good time. So if you're up in the Delaware area or Delaware, uh, river area, hop over, get a tube. I got one, a group on, it was like 16 bucks and it was a great $16 that was spent just hanging out with everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I want to hop into, into my guest. Um, it's something that, uh, uh, a friend of mine had asked me to talk to this guy because he's one, he's just an icon. You know, this is a guy uh, from the band Kingdom Come. His name is J.B. Frank, and, and J.B.'s been around the world, man. This guy has, uh, you know, addicted to heroin, addicted to crack. Um, this guy was one of the heavy metal kind of big players coming through the 80s and into the 90s. And, um, you know, he got into Kingdom Come after he'd already had a platinum album. You know, this is a guy who's been around the world and done a tremendous amount of stuff, got into Kingdom Come, had a couple other really cool bands that he was involved in, one called World War Three. Um, he got to play around with a bunch of guys on. Josie Cotton and, and, jo- and Johnny Crass and the industrials and all of that. And, you know, I, when, I, when I interview people, I kind of have an agenda of the direction that I want to go. I really want to find out about their life and what it is that they do and and how they find pleasure and joy and and how they share that stuff with other people. And, and you know, you think you're talking to a rocker, a guy who's lived the life um, On the road, you know, you're talking about drugs and booze and and chicks and 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 just, you know, every single possible thing thrown at you um, because you're a rocker and you're a rock star and you're out there and you're on stage and people want to see you and they want your guitar pick. And, you know, and we call, ultimately ends up, they want to have your dick. So, you know, uh, this is a guy that I really wanted to talk to. And uh, so JB and I have a really good conversation that's coming up for you guys. Um, it's something that's important to me. And I I didn't realize the importance of it until he really started to talk about it with his light and sound therapy that he does um, for autistic as well as for recovering addicts. And in this world that we live in right now of this um, litigious, medicinal, chemically enhanced world that we have of pills being put into things and insurance companies that won't pay for alternative medicines and whatnot. And, you know, I have a friend right now who has cancer and is doing as much of the alternative um, healing and homeopathic methods and looking to, uh, light and sound and healing as opposed to just the chemical side of things. This was a great guy to talk to. Um, another thing that this is close to for me is the fact that, uh, my buddy, Tony Luke Jr. Uh, y'all know him as the King of cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. That's Tony Luke over there on Oregon Avenue. Um, cheesesteak spots all over the country now hitting into the world. He's got a place in Bahrain. Um, his son died uh about 3 months ago he had a heroin overdose um so I want everybody just to uh stop and uh take a, take a second there and I want you to think about this hashtag it's called um it's a hashtag of brown and white that's b r o w n a n d w h i t e and that is just kind of to raise awareness for the fact that we have a serious problem in our country right now with heroin okay and with opioids and everything that's happening in our chemical and our pharmaceutical companies are making millions upon millions of millions of dollars, billions of dollars to uh, create chemicals uh, that are, that are supposed to help you. Um, But instead they're creating and causing other problems and we're getting kids that are getting hurt in sports, and we're putting them on an opioid, and then they need to find something else for that. You're throwing them into college, or they're getting out of college and now. They're addicted to heroin. So, um, pay attention to that hashtag of brown and white. Um, that's all I really want to talk about. But I'll tell you what, this conversation that I have with J. B. Frank is something that I am super stoked about, and want you guys to hear. And here it is right now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Duffified Live, my buddy J. B. Frank. All right, everybody. So uh, pretty stoked to have uh, a rock icon on with us tonight. We're talking to Mr. J.B. Frank. Good afternoon, sir.
1: Hey, what's up, brothers it's and
0: sisters? sisters. And sisters. Exactly. We got we got both sides out here. We got brothers and sisters. Yeah. Us, us. So, right on, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, most people that uh, that follow rock and have followed rock for as many years as I have and as many years as you've been in it, they know you from kingdom come. Um back yep. in the eighties and whatnot so so what's going on with you now man
1: uh well, uh you know it's uh, still you know d- doing the kingdom come thing, uh taking a little break right now, but hope to do some touring again soon, and uh uh you know no nothing official but uh <laughs> yeah uh, I guess our last tour was enough for a while, i guess for lenny, you know right and, uh, so, yeah. So, I, I actually, uh, you know, I lived in Los Angeles for many moons, and the uh, last couple of years I lived out there, I lived in Malibu, okay. and uh, before that, I lived in Hollywood for a real long time, and I, uh, you know, also was in Screen Actors Guild and Screen Writers Guild, and I've written about five movies, uh, you know, two of them actually completed, and, and you know, treatments to, to another three or four movies that are... You know, I'm always kind of working and writing on stuff, that's and awesome. uh, so yeah. So, and I have that with uh, Rockwell Sheridan's company. Uh, my one movie called Schizophrenic Sky, and that's the uh, his company's called the Syndicate, spelled like cinema, you know, okay. with a with a T. And uh, yeah, Rockwell's a good friend of mine. You know, he's a he's a, a he loves hard rock and he loves musical. You know, he was he was actually the drummer in the Rockwell Project, which had uh, a song Michael Jackson sang on in the, like 1986. It was called, uh, somebody's watching me. Oh There's yeah. Someone. There you go. Nice, <laughs> Paranoia thing. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I know, I know a lot everybody's of watching know. us, right? Yeah. <laughs> back yeah, in the eighties, exactly. everybody was watching us, you know, everybody was yeah. watching everybody back in the eighties, man. And yeah, I know, uh, I know, uh
0: I know everybody was watching you because you, you did
1: solid gold stuff. What was that? Solid gold, the, the, the uh, TV show. Yeah. I sang, I sang the, uh, Howie Rice, uh, produced the, uh, he, he was, uh, known for Patty LaBelle and Pointer sisters, you know, uh, stuff, uh, uh, Beverly Hills cop, all, all that era of music and, uh, I was pretty big in it right there. I was producing for Diane Warren, you know, the biggest songwriter in the world. And I, I was like one of her first producers. And uh, so I was really moving and shaking as a producer, more in studio musician. And I was getting a lot of work as a vocalist. And, uh, you know, and I was also doing modeling and I was in screen actors guild. So I had like producers and, and, uh, agents and, you know, managers and, uh, I was managed by, uh, Susan Joseph, who managed uh, Diane Warren, still does, I guess. And then, and then I was in another thing that was managed by Randy Phillips, who managed Lady Gaga, and uh, got Motley Crue their deal on Electra, and and so I was I was really moving and shaking there, you know. And uh, and then I I was like really, you know, kind of missing the like, well, what happened? I thought I was just came out here to be a rock star. <laughs> and now I'm like, now, now I'm like putting on a suit and going into record companies with demos and, right. you know, of stuff I've produced. And, you know, if, if, well, Diane Warren had like a deal where if, if, if you know, one person didn't take it at Chrysalis, then somebody else would take it at Capital, you know? Right. And uh, so it was like, we didn't care if they <laughs> liked the demos or not. Like, if <laughs> It was, was, it was going somewhere. It, you know? Right. Yeah. So. She's worth billions now. I guess she's now outsold the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. But wow. and then I got a lot of work because I worked for her, everybody wanted to be, you know, like piggyback on her success. So I got a lot of work like working for a lot of wannabes, Diane Warren wannabes, you know. And I really got fed up with it. I was just like, Oh crap, you know, what's what's you know, this is crap commercial music, this is exactly what I hate, you know, <laughs> I like edgy punk, metal, you know, shredding guitars, and you know, right. uh, double bass drum beats, and you know, I like it heavy, you know, sure. <laughs> and no, I was like, man. I kind of ended up in a place I didn't want to be, you know, and then yeah. uh, and then I was playing in World War Three with uh, uh, some good friends of mine, and Mandy Lyon was the lead singer, and he was like one one of the first guys that you know, sang like a pirate, you know, like a pirate getting it up the ass or something. I don't, you know it was like you know. And uh and you know, it was and, and they were signed and then there was another band called Johnny Crash. They got signed and uh and then uh so I was, you know, I, I remember in nineteen eighty six David Geffen said that he was gonna sign a hundred bands off the streets of LA so anybody that could tune a guitar was out there, you know, wearing a wig and you right. know trying to get a record deal and uh that's it just got kind of insane so then uh kingdom come came along i was getting a lot of like you know hey you want to try out for this band and there was like actually agents like rock congress and stuff that was trying to you know like get the best of of the musicians together and the images and you know do super bands and stuff so kingdom come was kind of like that they had a really you know derek shulman was the uh was the bass player and or or lead singer? I don't know. I I could never figure that out. Whether his brother was the lead, they were like twins, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and the one was the bass player and one was the lead singer of Gentle Giant. And then he became he got into business, and he signed Bon Jovi to a record deal, and then he signed uh, Cinderella, and then so it, uh, they said, well, you know, what do you want to do next, Derek? And uh, and it was like you know you, you, here, here's your own record company here's as much money as you need to sign bands because you're obviously the king and have the big ears, so he said I want to put a band together that sounds like Led Zeppelin, and uh, and uh, that was it you know it was like next thing I knew he he'd signed Lenny Wolf from uh, Stone Fury as the singer and he was looking for like kind of American guys that could sing that could play blues you know like it could, it could sound like Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix and that kind of stuff. And uh, so that was, uh, you know, pretty good. I I was, you know, I I was always into black music, too. You know, I I really liked, uh, like Earth, Wind and Fire and, and I love jazz and stuff like that. And but I mean, metal was my like, is my true love. I love it loud. And I love it hard. And I love it heavy. But I always respected and and, you know, I got to sing on a lot like I sang on uh, Beverly Hills cop Things and I sang on the Solid Gold. You asked me about the last yeah. Solid Gold, <laughs> filling up your lap with music. You know that, you know that studio singer kind of thing. So I was, right. I was gigs like that, singing on uh, different TV shows and stuff. You know, so, See, so yeah. I, I remember when I when I got in Kingdom Come, I walked in with a platinum record, and I said, Yeah, I just got this for singing you know, backups on a, a couple of songs and, and, uh, you know, I'm singing on a Patty LaBelle song and, you know, I played, uh, you know, I just, Hollywood was good to me. You know, I, I played for, uh, living and John for a while and, uh, uh, played for, uh, I played, even played drums with buddy miles on a few gigs where he was playing guitar and, uh, edit James. I played, I was like her second keyboard player, you know? So oh. it was the first guy who didn't show up and, you know that was uh that was like pretty amazing dad to, uh That's Brian awesome. uh the guy who plays for uh can't even think of his last name Brian uh plays for uh Paul McCartney now was the lead guitar player and Eddie james so it yeah. was and the Apache who was from little Caesar played uh you know lead guitar for that band too so it was pretty awesome you know and uh so early Hollywood days were pretty cool you know Especially I told kids. Randy Phillips to, yeah. I remember I was in a band called Josie Cotton. You know, it was kind of like a money gig for me. I had to sh- cut my hair and, uh, I got another record deal on a band called the band called the, uh, industrials, which was songs that I wrote and Kim Foley produced. So I was uh real in it, and, uh, you know, Randy Phillips was our manager and, uh, from in Josie Cotton. And I told him to go see Motley Crue, and he, he got them a record deal like two days later. And, uh, yeah, I should have got some money for that. I, I just did, <laughs> Find I, or speak. Yeah, I didn't have my shit together as far as like a businessman. You know, I was just like, hey, Motley Crue is really cool, man. They got like fire on stage and, you know, satanic, you know, pentagrams and stuff. You had to check them out, you know. Right. And they had right. some good songs. You know, Nicky was a friend of mine, and I guess he still does. haven't talked to him in a while. I mean, <laughs> what, what's that? I mean, what's that like during that
0: during that time frame? I mean, first off, the '80s were just a crazy time, anyway. And now you're, I mean, you're in a band that is that is world renowned, and people know who you are, and and you've got all these kind of accolades behind you, and you're, you're, I mean, you're traveling the world at this point with, you know, guys yeah. like Motley. You guys are, I mean, you guys are like buddies at the same time. I mean, was there? You know, we we always hear of rivals between sporting events and and musicians yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, what was that like?
1: I don't know. You know, I never really felt it. I, you know, I was uh, raised on a farm in Ohio. So I, uh, you know, I also felt like I was like some hick that was like lucked out <laughs> and uh, you know, that I hear I was in Hollywood doing so good, but I, I never really felt like a part of, so I, but I also didn't feel like there was a rivalry or something. I didn't, maybe I didn't know enough. I don't know. Right. And uh, you know, I, I remember, playing with rat in, in, in uh, Bon Jovi and, and Metallica. And uh, I think the only guy that ever fucked with me was, was George Lynch. When we were on the monsters of rock, he came up to me at a bar once and he says, are you one of the roadies from one of the bands? And he knew the, who the fuck I was. You know? And at the time he had those giant muscles and I was like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, can you lend me like $10? And, and I was like, really? George Lynch. <laughs> you got sold 4 million records. What's up right right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, there was like I guess a little of it, but pretty much uh, you know, that whole, you know, it seemed like everybody in the music business was from LA. And so I kind of knew them all from the Rainbow and, you know, see Stephen Piercy and, you know, Smoke crack with fucking Robin Crosby and you know whatever's happening at the time, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Neil Lazar was a really good friend of mine. So uh you know, I was all hanging out at his studio, and uh, he was all, you know, he was the main photographer for all those bands. You know, right. he, he was kind of a. So a so, how does a guy from how does a guy from Ohio end up in L.A. I mean, what what? what like... uh, well, it was weird. I you know I. uh I was I you know I I started started playing uh piano when I was about 3 years old and uh the people said I was really good and uh and then I you know started playing drums when I was about 9 and uh played all the way through college and then in college I I really looked like Greg Allman and I was like uh I I so I did some Uh, you know, blues bands that uh, was a really good slide guitar player. And we'd, you know, I imitated Greg, Greg Allman and made a lot of money doing that. You know, we were we're like packed clubs and stuff. So I was like, I was really lucky that I was a professional musician. And then I ended up like going to Florida with some guys uh, that, and you know, they were in uh, Crosby Stills and Nash band. they were like older guys, but they had, you know, connections and stuff. And then so I was in uh, I was in Florida, and uh, our guitar player quit. So I, I asked Danny Stag to fly out from uh, California. He was out there in California trying to make it big, and I said, "Come back to Florida, man. We can you know pay you like a, you know pretty good money to come back here." So he came back. The next thing I knew, uh, they uh, this band Chopper, uh, who had a, a Jeff Barry produced them. I think they were on uh, Chrysalis Records. Or something but it was one of those like guaranteed successes bands you know and uh so i said so i quit my really good paying job in florida you know that we were you know like a you know a tribute band cover band kind of thing sure. and uh you and uh so i went out to hollywood for this guaranteed success with this band that had a record deal i learned all the keyboard parts and and uh and uh and uh they never got any airplay or any tour support so i found myself working at a hill turner's liquor store with nikki six worked there for a while and, and a bunch of my other really good friends you know and it was like you know i remember you know when uh let me see alice cooper you know he was sober and i was taking him a couple cases of gin so it was like rubbing noses with some pretty big people and, uh, you know, I didn't work at the liquor store long myself. I ended up getting a record deal with Kim Fowley on uh, CBS with, um, with my best friend, Danny Stagg, who was the lead guitar player in Kingdom Come. And uh, we did uh, an original act and, uh, and they insisted on us cutting our hair. And it was like, I remember I I was at the Rainbow once and, you know, I had uh, I, I came out there and I had like really long blonde hair. And these punk rockers beat me up in the parking lot, I guess, just for having long hair. Sure. And then then, then like a couple couple months later, CBS Records, you know, it was like, you want a record deal? Cut your hair, right? And I remember there was a thing on on the LA Weekly. At the back of the LA Weekly, there was like Wasp and Van Halen and all these long-haired guys. And it said, see these guys with long hair? You'll never hear from any of them ever again. Oh, right <laughs> like like this is the end of uh, you know raucous rolls. you know it. <laughs> <that> the long hair <laughs> thing's over i was going and you know from a kid from ohio i was like sure. i guess it's over you know so yeah. i guess i better cut my hair and uh so i cut my hair into some like you know little english you know rockabilly mohawk kind of thing you know <laughs> and uh look just like billy idol only a little my hair was a little longer than his but uh that's all I got. Is are you are you Billy Idol? You know, and I was like, no. Yeah. No, no. So I got I got a lot of comparisons to Billy Idol and David Bowie, and you know, uh, which you know kind of fed other parts of my career. But uh, and then I couldn't get you know, like Kim Foley said when he signed us, you know, we were trying to sound, have this little sparse sound, and we didn't use any computers or anything, but we were trying to play like computers. And uh do material that sounded like it was all sequenced and stuff, but really we were just playing through echo and you know, writing sequencer sounding things and Danny Stag sang lead for that band and he's an amazing singer. I mean, you know, my dad heard the record and he goes, Who's the black woman singing? I said, Oh, that's Danny Stag. <laughs> So uh he, he says that about everything else, you know. So uh yeah, so it was like I so I got distracted there, and you know, and then as soon as I that thing was over, I was like uh, I was like ready to rock, you know, and uh, so I started playing bass for bands and guitar for bands, you know. I was like I really, you know, I, I'm like a jazz keyboard player. I'm really accomplished keyboardist, you know, and but I couldn't stand any of those bands that had keyboards, you know. I, I mean, I loved the Almond Brothers and that bluesy keyboard thing, but I didn't like Yes, and I didn't like you know, like, uh, uh, Kansas and stuff like that, you know? So I was like, everybody was asking me to play, you know, all that crappy keyboard right. shit. And I just exactly. wasn't into it. So I started playing bass and guitar for bands, you know, and, and that's, I got, uh, I played, uh, guitar for Olivia and John for a while. I think, I think she hired me basically because she liked the way I looked. because they never, you know, there was a, a guy who played the real, you know, I just played like power chords and stuff and, did a few videos with her and <laughs> uh awesome. you know it was just more of that bullshit and then and then uh you know i was playing playing bass in a couple bands around town and that's when i got the offer to be in kingdom Come, and uh that was like signing bonuses and you know pretty much we we it was on the fast track to uh, uh you know it was like polygram and a huge signing and it was uh bob rock's first record you know he was he was getting a quarter of a million dollars to engineer on Bon Jovi records and stuff and and more Canadian, a bunch of Canadian acts, but he'd never produced anything. So we were like this first American band he'd ever produced. And wow. and then he, he he like everything he touched turned to gold and platinum, you know, because right. uh, I remember seeing, seeing Nikki and Tommy at that. Uh, Rainbow, and they were like, man, your album sounds amazing. Who produced it? I said, Bob Rock, and they went immediately to Bob Rock, and wow. same with The Cult. Everybody was like, who produced that? And I was like, and I, uh and Bob Rock was going to The Cult right after us, and he was like, he was so blown away by James Kotak uh, drumming. He says, do you know any other drummers that can play like James Kotak? And I said, well, you might want to try Matt Sorum, and so they got Matt Sorum, to play in that band. He was in in a couple bands with me, great drummer. And uh, so yeah, and and, uh, next thing you knew, you know, Kingdom Come was like the number one requested band in the world. We bumped Michael Jackson out of the number one spot and we were on heavy rotation on MTV, which is weird. At the same time, uh, we were being paid 48 times a day. And then another song came on. So we were getting like paid like 90 times a day. And then I had a Coors light commercial on TV that I was in, like an actor or spokesperson in, you right. know, I, I had long hair, and a leather coat on and, you know, I wasn't the most interesting man in the world. But you know, it was kind well, of you more like, you the dysfunctional rocker. You know? But uh, yeah, I got paid big time. So it was I like,
0: do, uh, I
1: write recipes now for Miller
0: Coors. So I actually oh, right chef, I create recipes for Miller Coors to sell to or to give to some of their biggest clients like red Robin and Fridays and all that stuff. So, so I use their beer, whatever it is that they want me to, when I create a
1: oh, right
0: recipe. So it's kind of cool.
1: There's a nice little connection there. There you go.
0: I was just in, I was just in Denver uh, last week.
1: So right on man.
0: Well, yeah. I love good food. Yeah. Look I don't, good? I
1: look really skinny, but I like to eat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> JB, this is awesome, man, dude. I I, I got to stop for a sec. Cause I gotta, I gotta take care of the, some of the people that are out there for us. So I got to talk to you guys real quick about, uh, my new buddies over there at nogginware.com. nogginware.com, these are the guys that have the, uh, the hat of the Month club. and one of the greatest things about the Hat of the Month club, besides the hats that they have. because when you guys see these hats, the quality of them, the stitching, um, the embroidery that, that they put into them, the clasps, everything that goes onto the back from from inside of them, the nogginware that's laid throughout the whole thing, is the fact that it's totally free shipping. okay and and with that, with that free shipping, you're gonna get a little gift inside the box, and if you use the code Chef Bryduff, all right, they're gonna take care of you as well. They're gonna take a little percentage off, and the guys are gonna take care of you. So make sure that you make it over to uh, nogginware.com. Tell Scott and the boys that I sent you by using the code of Chef Bryduff, and they're gonna take care of you. They've got three subscriptions available. You can do a one month, which is really just buying a hat. You can buy a three month, or you can do a six month as well. I suggest go for the six month. They will. They sent me a hat called the American Glory. But the old glory, which is one of my favorite hats. Nogginwear.com. Go check them out. So your life is 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 literally filled with music from going into college, leaving Ohio, going into college, then hopping out to LA yeah. and down into Florida. Right. I mean, what's look, I know what it's like being on tour. Hey, not, I didn't have
1: safe. any choice. I didn't have any choice, Brian. I was like sucked at everything yeah, else. <laughs> <laughs> you found so, your niche. You found yeah. Your niche. Uh, but you give me any any instrument, I can play it within a few days. You know, I even played saxophone and xylophone, and you know, I tried flute and everything else. You know, so I'm not yeah. blind in any way whatsoever. I can sing. I
0: enjoy. I enjoy belting out something in the car when nobody's looking. But I have right a jeep, on. so everybody
1: hears yeah. me anyway. But um, yeah. but I mean, so, well, so I'm, a, I'm a pretty good cook. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, I'm, I'm mostly I'm like a vegan. And I have okay. been for like a really long time. So now I'm like really into vegan dishes, and and yes. I eat a lot of raw stuff. So it's not even cooking, but you know I well, can prepare I mean, the. Ham- a lot are you for
0: are you fully <laughs> raw? Or are you cooking to 125? Because that's what most most raw yeah, that I know it kind of brings the temp up a little bit, but doesn't doesn't break down at all.
1: Well, it's tough. For now I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida, and there's no vegan restaurants here. I mean, there's a couple of places that have like you can get a burrito with like soy meat on it or something you know so Satan. i i am really forced to do my own cooking here and i you know most of the time i i, you know, I get my protein from avocados and uh, rice and stuff like that so I, I i try to stay raw but you know it's like i mean in la there was a vegan restaurant in every corner oh, and you corner, could go sure. get you know turkey you could go get a turkey and uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and there was no turkey in it but if you couldn't tell you know right. it's like what do they, they, they call it tofurky yeah to that stuff's awesome so yeah so um, all, I, i'm not completely raw you know i mean i all eat like mexican food and stuff like that with rice and avocados I, on stuff that's a, cooked you know as a chef i dated a vegan years ago and uh i had planned
0: <laughs> i went into a restaurant where a friend of mine was the chef and i dropped off these pretty wild greens and dandelion and stuff like that and had me ma- oh, and wow. had the chef make a great meal for it and when we got there He's like, hey, Brian, I know how much you love – I know how much you love some wild stuff. So I actually got some rabbit in today. Do you want it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I want the rabbit, man. Let's go. She wouldn't talk to me, dude. She was so mad Uh, at me the whole time. So we like – you know, I kind of went to the bar. We got drunk. We made out for a while. That was about it. But then I never saw her again. Yeah. So – You tasted like a rabbit, and that was it. it. That was it. She's like, I can't believe you're eating that. And I'm
1: like, you're Uh, a fucking dandelion. Chill
0: out, baby. We got this covered.
1: I joined so. a dating site not too long ago, plenty of fish. And I looked on oh, yeah. and there was like, it was like women with guns and they were like, you know, gutting a deer or a pig or something, wild pig. And then they, they would say they were, they were an animal lover. And I would like, I would write them, I go, animal lover, huh? And <laughs> yeah. that would like slitting a pig's throat. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really, I got more respect for people that go out, and I, you know, I would, you know, I mean, one of my problems with meat is the inhumane way they raise it, you know, they take it away from their families, and, you know, and then they slaughter them in this, like, gas, like a car wash full of saws right in front of each other, and they're not even dead when they start cutting them off, and, you know, it's so that, that's what I, so I think, you know, it really is, like, you know, if Ted Nugent wants to invite me hunting, uh, you know, as long as we don't kill any big cats or anything and we eat it, I'll be fine with that. You know, yeah. let's, let's let's go get a wild so, boar or a deer and make some sausage out of it. You know? And I, I mean, know. But, but
0: at this point, at this point with the way that things are rolling, I mean, you've got to be feeling a little bit more comfortable with what goes on now because there's been such a, a massive visual to people of what is happening with factory farming. Yeah, I mean, but, that's true. I mean, look, that's I'm a carnivore. True. I am no stranger. I I have been vegetarian. I've gone that route on a bet and then uh-huh. I landed in then I landed in Texas and went to Lockhart yeah. Steakhouse. But um but I mean these days, you know, we have such a great way of of taking care of that stuff. I mean I, I have a restaurant in Philadelphia and we do all of our meats are natural and antibiotic hormone and hormone free and well, we keep our
1: awesome. as, yeah. as
0: clean. Yeah. As possible.
1: yeah. Yeah. I would I you know, if I could give guarantee, you know, I would like a, a, a egg or something would be great once in a while if for sure, it was free range and antibiotic free. I think that's, that's you know one of our big health problems in this country is is like all the antibiotics that's transferred Disgusting. into the human. You Disgusting. know, it's Disgusting. like eventually your stomach just fails. You know, yeah, but but so, you know, but so do our yeah, brains.
0: So do our yeah, your
1: brain, the whole thing rots. Up. I mean, I'm a huge conspiracy person. I believe the world is flat, and and uh, <laughs> you know, I think. I, you know, I read the Illuminati Manifesto of 1935, how they were going to fuck with meat and right. it would be no longer like would be safe to eat meat and stuff. And, and you know, just reading that stuff and knowing I've been into chemtrails for, you know, a long 30 years. And I, I got a lot of this stuff from Danny Stagg, too. But I was I've kind of like so I'm kind of an advocate for, you know, cleaning up. the I, I don't believe in global warming. You know, I believe that's the you know, the the I believe that's the boogeyman they tried to, you know, push on us, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, yeah, I I mean, read the, read the Oregon petition. It's 18,000 of the world's greatest scientists says there is no global warming. That's all. So when, when they, when they hire 2000 scientists that, that, you know, are, are paid for, you know, because they're supporting global warming so that, you know, Obama could take our guns away from us and, Whatever, you know, their agenda really was, you know, let, let's, let's, you know, let's establish this new world order so that we can, and, and, and our religion will be, let's get rid of climate change, you know, as yes. they're, as, you know, they're two-faced, like, spraying us with barium radiation and aluminum fluoride and stuff that's ruining our plants and our water and polluting fluoride in our water and stuff like this. It's, you know, it's so hypocritical. You know, to to say, oh, you know, uh, I mean the whole agenda of let's let's uh let's feed the poor and give health care to these people as we're like, you know, uh, you know, stepping you know, everybody's got cancer. There's a reason for it, you know. Yeah, it's I, like I, I, I do agree. You know. I do agree is not is not our friend, you know. No, no, it's like not. it's it, a business. You know, I mean I mean I was hooked on heroin for eight years and crack cocaine for another six, you know, and it was like and they say that uh high fructose current syrup is more addicting than heroin i was like geez, you know and and it makes you a diabetic and it's like and it's in everything and then it's like oh everybody knows not to use msg anymore but then the food companies came out with another 90 things that do the same thing which is addict you to excitotoxins in food and then people get fat because it's like, well, the body has no choice but to go obese because you're putting all these toxins in it. And the only sure. way it knows how to deal with it is to build fat cells around it. Right. You know, so the next thing you know, it's right. a, and then you want to lose weight. Oh, let me see. I'll go to a system or Weight Watchers. I hope none of these people sure. are your sponsors. Right. <laughs> and and all they do is double up on the, the, the drugs in the food. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm completely satisfied. Of course. And it's like, full of salt and, you know, soy, isolate protein and maltodextrin and every other thing that you can't pronounce that's addicting. You know, I well, mean, if some people try to eat a carrot or a potato and they're like, I'm not satisfied. Of course there's well, no drug.
0: The it's the same as when I, I mean, you know, I cook, I cook food and I, and I cook pretty clean. I cook pretty natural with a lot of stuff that I do. And I right. look at, you know, I have people all the time who say, Hey, this chicken tastes weird. And I'm like, well, that's odd because it's a totally clean free range chicken. There's no chemicals right. or no antibiotics. Yeah, it doesn't taste like the right. normal shit that you're seeing as you're driving down the highway, going you know yeah. down 13 in Maryland. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a whole different right. world. It's you know, I mean, and then do I, you, about do you use sea salt? Do I use, do you I, tea? you know what? JB, I'm a little bit weird, dude. I have about seven
1: different salts that I use. So, all oh, right, I, on. I, 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 I mean, there's a better you know, Himalayan or yeah. Icelandic or something like that. Yeah, I, I think they tastes better. And they're, al- they're actually alkaline, so they don't do that acidic thing to you that destroys right. your, you know, like, I mean, most people, you know, table salt is like 50% sand and glass. No, so it just, rips, it just rips amazing. you up. Yeah. It's, a, it's funny because I
0: start demos off when I go up and I say, all right, I want everybody to do me a favor. Whoever has iodized, sable right, or iodized salt in their kitchen right now, raise your hand. So, and it's right. odd because it's about 50 to 75% of people. I said, all right, I want every one of you to leave because everything yeah. I'm going to talk about right now, you're not going <laughs> to like it. So and right I go and, and I say all the time, look, one of some of the greatest places to get salt, and people laugh at me, but you think about it, you go into a TJ Maxx or a, a Home Goods or a Marshall's and you walk into their little yeah. food section and they've always got all these different salts. So for me, I'm i I'm a big fan of uh I use Maldon, so I use a sea salt out of England, and then I also oh, cool. do another salt that is um I do a Celtic sea salt, which is massively oh, nice. loaded with minerals. So oh, um, right on. I I I do a lot of different salts and even in my restaurants I use a bunch of different salts because they're finishing salts. Most of them, you know, we don't right. have a, a salt in the restaurant. We use a fine sea salt for what we do. But, um, but I agree yeah. with you, man. Cause, cause at one point I was 296 pounds and you've never, I don't, you've never seen me or anything. I'm, I'm a big rugby uh-huh. playing kind of guy, right. but, uh, right I, I got yeah. really, really sick and threw weight on and I started to just clean my whole life out. And I said, okay, today I'm going to eat chicken. And I ate chicken for lunch, yeah. and then my next run was for dinner. And a- as yeah. I'm going through into dinner, you know, I started to have to change everything around. So it, it's uh, – but but I, I realized at that point, no matter how long I've been in the culinary field or in the industry, that it was the
1: food that was just continuing <laughs> to fuck me up. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, it's like – and then you, you get that heaviness, right? And it's like then you're there, – there's – it's hard – there's plaque growing on – your intestines and in places that that want the nutrients, so you're not getting your nutrients. So you're actually starving to death, even though you're heavy. You know, right. and it's oh, like exactly. a it's really a bad cycle. You know, and well, and the only way I mean, people, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the big. That's why I'm so against salt. You know, I like sea salts and uh, you know Himalayan salts. I'd like to try some of your gourmet salts because you know they have more flavor. And they have less damage to the body, you know, so of course, why wouldn't we be using them? You know, and and, and people look at it (laughs) it and what they see is they
0: see that you can buy, you know, three pounds of salt for $2 or I'm going to pay $12 for three pounds of salt. So people see it as a prop, you know, they, they, well, they're trying to buy, buy, you know, on a budget, I guess, which is kind of crazy in its own world. So yeah, But uh, I had no idea, man, Wow, you're big into your, you you know, all this stuff.
1: You're yeah. I mean, on. I, I try that's to stay you. informed, keep a deep understanding of what's going on in the world. <laughs> I try to attract the truth to myself by being honest, you know, and that wasn't always the case in my life. You know, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I really see the laws of the universe working for me, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I, I, um, uh, like, uh, the end of my drug use was about, well, I got off heroin 17 years ago. And, uh, wow. and then I, uh, then I went out and smoked crack for about four and a half years. I thought, Oh, well, that's not addicting. That won't that's hurt right. anything. But uh, at the end of my crack use, I thought there's no help for me. I'm going to be a drug addict. The rest of my life, I'm hopeless. You know, there's no way I can get through a day without, you know, smoking a couple hundred dollars for the crack. And, uh, you know, uh, went through a lot of money and stuff like that. But I, I, uh, I saw these people were going to uh, Peru and going to these ayahuasca camps. So I did it's that. Amazing. That changed my whole life. Yeah. I, I have, a, so I I have a very
0: dear friend of mine who just got back about six months ago, and she is mm-hmm. now in Peru doing uh, another round of it, only she's doing it much more intense. She's on a 14-day uh, run, oh, wow. and she That's just got kind of finished intense. on uh, 10 days of isolation
1: yeah so she's well. Usually, she's right. your first couple journeys on it you all your karma's cleared, you know, so right. there's no more like no more weird, scary stuff happening on you it, like after, you know i I mean my second time I did it, I was like, I faced some demons for sure, you right. know, and then the third time I did it i was, i had like you know i felt like I'd lived like a hundred lifetimes of good karma and and amazing. then I everything was beautiful, and it was like and my Spirit guides were telling me, you know, hey, what are you doing to yourself? You know, you don't, yeah. you don't need to smoke crack. You know, you can, you can live a happy life, you know, drug free and, yeah. and uh, you can do health foods and, and, you know, live a good life. So it changed my whole life, you know. So a, did, is, is that, that
0: why you, is that why you went there was to, to, to clean yourself up at that point? I mean, was that your quote unquote no, no. rehab or are you like, Hey, I fuck it, I'm just going to try
1: this. Oh, I just thought it was going to be the ultimate buzz, you know. Wow.
0: And look, and <laughs> yeah, and, and that buzz. was it. And you stopped after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did. I stopped everything. I was like, uh, it was, it was. You know, it's it it, you feel like you're going under anesthesia, and then all of a sudden you're in another world, and you and you're like, well, this is so. And people go, oh, I yeah, I, I get like that when I meditate, and I'm like, no, you don't. And it's <laughs> no, like, you you know, oh, I've done or I've done acid. No, you haven't. You know, it's like this is like 100 times stronger than acid, and, and you experience yourself as pure energy, which is uh, sound and light. You know, and you're you're as loud as like 40 jet airplanes next to each other, and you're as light as 100 suns or a thousand suns. You know, you're you're pure light and and sound, right? And that's why I got really into uh, frequency healing for people and stuff, and you know, reproducing reprodu- some of my music in A432. And the more divine frequencies that used to be like natural up until you see in 1935 the Rockefeller Foundation and the early Nazi Party was doing weapons testing and they uh, showed, they were trying to find a way to knock things down with music or make people sick and they realized all they had to do was change the, the standard tuning was A 432, which mathematically sets up to everything in the universe the distance between the moon and the Earth and uh, you know, um, you know, so there's 432 hundred seconds in 12 hours, you know, and then if you double that it's 864, that was the Pythag- Pythagoras said that God created everything in 864 hertz. And, uh, you know, like in the beginning, there was, you know, the word, well, there wasn't any word, and there wasn't anybody with any ears. So they were, they were talking about like a musical frequency that created everything. And and when you, when you study thiametics, which is like, Look like if I put a bowl of water on top of a Marshall speaker and hit a note on my guitar, there would be a pattern in the water. And then if I hit another note on my guitar, it would make another pattern. And then if I went back to that original note, it would make the same repeatable pattern. And some of them look like single cell organisms and things that where life may have begun, you know? So when I, now I'm doing healing with frequencies and stuff, it it was really what excited me after I you know, did the ayahuasca is like, why you have to like, you know, I mean, I used to stand in front of 120,000 people and go, why the fuck are these people here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, what, what attracts them to this? You know, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a loud fucking band rocking their asses off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's energy, you know, it's yeah, power. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. It's energy.
1: Like, Raising the yeah. heart rate, man.
0: Get your brain moving. Yeah. Get, your, get your
1: ears moving. Get everything going. Yeah. So I try to untrap people from their reptile mind you know, and get them into the crowning achievement of their frontal lobe and the, the right hemisphere in front of the, instead of the left hemisphere. So I try to get people, you know, to do creative things and and meditate. I, I you know, they asked me what I'd need to work here in these rehabs and do this. And I said, I'm, I'm going to need a bunch of Tibetan singing bowls, some gongs <laughs> and some uh, crystal pyramids. And, and, you know, and that's what I'm equipped with now. Those are my tools of my trade. So I go and do this and it's weird. People just, you know, three days off drugs and stuff, I've, I've started doing these Tibetan bowls that, that activate the energy between your heart and your pineal gland, the center of your mind. And right. people go, I, you know, like, is it, is it natural that I see lights inside my head? I said, yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your pineal gland, like, being activated. You know, that's it's your amazing. third eye. You know, that's the most... Yeah, most well kept secret in the world. I mean, actually, that's why they put fluoride in people's water because it calcifies the pineal gland. And now there's, you know, there's ways to. I was working with autistic children, right? And these people were amazing. And their parents were sending them to rehabs for $72,000, 45 day stay to get them off marijuana. And then they'd put them on Xanax and five oh, other, like, kind of, you know, like these poisons, like, you know, like. Uh, Paxil and Prozac, which is just sure. another word for rat poison or fluoride, sodium fluoride, right? and uh, so they're they're just you know the, the truth is about them they have a lot of heavy metals in their in their in their uh, bloodstream, so they become antennas for like uh, schizophrenia and like uh, mind control and all the radio frequencies and people's thoughts and stuff. You know they, they're actually like psychic di- antennas, and then it's because their heart vibrates at a higher frequency. And I only knew this because of this ayahuasca trip I did. I could see that that uh you know that well there's a medical side to things and there's a spiritual side to things. Right? right. And the medical profession doesn't even acknowledge that we are energy. It, 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 well, yeah, the heart's run by electricity, minds run by electricity. where's the electricity come from? Oh, we don't know. You know, sure. well, why, why don't we address that, that there's energy centers that are similar to a guitar string where the harmonics are, you know, we are that guitar string, you know, right. and there's energy that comes into our body. And if, if there's something clogging that source of energy, then we're sick, you know, we're sick mentally, spiritually, physically. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. You know, I want to, yeah. uh, I want to do a, a, I want to build an Integratron here, you know, Tesla technology that uh people can you know experience their spirit you know right. and uh you know like really untether their soul from 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 their their emotions and their thinking you know and how so, how I mean how hard is this right.
0: how how I mean how hard is this for you at this point to get this point across because I mean look I'm I'm a very open minded guy you know, I believe in yeah. a lot of this stuff. I believe in spirituality and the, me- and, and, you know, I mean, I love to meditate. It's a big part for me in the morning. I, I go to an Ayurvedic doctor. I try to stay away from traditional medicine as much as I can with the pills yeah. and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm a probiotic guy in the morning, man. I got to take my probiotic or I feel like shit for the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent thing to do. But, to but, ha- I mean, so you now me. you're dealing with, I mean, you're dealing with drug addicts, you know, guys yeah. that, and girls that, that, you know, their, well, their life you know, is the heroin. So, how do you, how do you, you get across you,
1: to that? Well, they're the perfect people to get across to, because it, you wouldn't drink out of a mud puddle unless you've been walking around the desert for three days without water. You right. know, it's like, so these people are like broken, yeah. you know, they, they live, in, they live in the chaotic mind, you know, right. they're, they're like, you know, it, they're living in a place that's biologically unsustainable to live in. So they needed to do drugs were the Drugs were the solution, you know, and now. You know, at some point the drugs stop working for you, and then like, what are you left with? Suicide, you know. And it's like, no, there's there's something they neglected to teach you, you know. And and that's how, how to find the now moment, how to find the spirit, you know, how to how to connect with your soul, how to disconnect to the mind and the emotions. There aren't, you know, the 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 mind is always unsatisfied, and it's just another involuntary muscle, like the heart or the lungs or or, you know, the pancreas or anything, it just goes, you know, yeah. and it's like, and then when I was working with the autistic people, I, I'd say, okay, what's, what's, what, what do you think your problem is? And they said, but we can't control our thoughts. I said, yeah, because somebody programmed that into you, right? I'm going to teach you how to control your thoughts. It's called meditation, right? right. Take a moment. And, and you have to practice it because, you know, people go, Oh, that's what you just sit there and do that. And it's going to sit there and wait for how long it takes you to, you know, for your mind to take over and and decide this isn't a good idea this is like so, you know, are you, TM, is, are you transcendental are you transcendental are you doing guided I think that works you know yeah. I, uh, I I never I, I really never looked into it too much I'm everything I'm the pathless path i i I believe in all religion and none you know right. and, and and the true religion the the word religion when people say oh I'm not a religious person that's not true we're all religious people you know, that just means we're seeking. They're it's the same word as yoga, you know, it means a union with with a, an unseen world that, that, you know, people call God or the universe or whatever sure. they want to call it. The universal mind or, you know, uh, the great spirit, you know, and uh, so, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and that's like so many things in this world and Hollywood's like so guilty of it is they cast a spell on words and you can't really tell what a real word is, you know, at least the, you know, like avatar means a a spiritual being who made a decision to come back to earth to help, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, what Hollywood made it to mean. you know? And so there's a lot of stuff like, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. There's so much misinformation out there that keeps, you know, this is the age of information. So it's like, it's a choice to be ignorant, you know? And, And uh, and then people, you know, uh, know, there's very little fight or flight left anymore. You know, I I mean, we we we, we, you know everybody lives in the reptile mind, which is fight or flight, but it's been replaced by conformity. You know, and then we so we can we conform to these losers and people who have no idea what's going on in the world. No I idea how to actually give guidance, you know? So, sure. you know, we're, and it's just it's, it's a very common thing. We're a mammal. We like to be in the herd. We like to dress like the herd. We like to talk we like do. the herd, you know? So it's important who you hang around with, you know? That's yeah. why I really loved being around people who were like shamans and, and doing these things that, that you know, that, that they devoted their lives to like helping people, uh, you know, find this very simple way out of, you know, the tethered mind, you know, and, the, and the emotions, you know, that that people just can't live in. And, and, uh, you know, and then for some people like the autistic kids, I'd say myself, I call myself a sensitive, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm very aware of other, like, I, I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I use drugs so I could become sociopathic, but the reason I did that is because I am empathic, right? Right. And if it's cold outside and raining, I can feel everybody's pain that doesn't have food and, and shelter, you know? So, so I start hurting for people, you know? So I yeah. say I, I am like that. And then, you know, if you really look, you look at the patents that were, that were taken out in the 60s, right? And they said all they had to really do to control people's minds was was increase the EMFs, the electromagnetic fields. And then they, can, they could do these. And it sounds like science fiction, but look at the patents you know, there's mind control stuff. So, you know, if, if you, and then, then you have a thought like, you know, some evil thought, like, you know, and, and, and it's like, Oh, I must be evil. Then you start defi- defining yourself as this evil thinker. No, you just had a thought and who knows where it came from, you know, and it doesn't mean that, that you are that thought. I mean, if you thought about like cutting the, the brake line on your wife's car, right? <laughs> it doesn't make you, it, unless you actually did it, too, you know, you're not, you're, you're not an evil person, you know what I mean? So, you know, but, but then if you give that thought energy, like, oh my God, I am evil. I like Metallica song, am I evil? Yes, I am. Right. <laughs> you know? right. It's like, yeah, if, if you believe your brain, you know, it's so, like, so, you, you know, it's, it's important to get your mind under control you know, yourself. I mean, so, we want to control everything in our lives. What
0: are, What are your thoughts now? I mean, with what's going on in, in, in the United States and, and with, with heroin and and the accessibility to it now, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have a friend of mine who just started, his son just passed away about two months ago of a heroin overdose. Uh, poor kid, you know, started out as an athlete the whole nine yards and, mm-hmm. you know, hurt himself. Next thing you know, he's he's, he's doing heroin. And you actually started a hashtag called brown and white, which is something that's out there to really bring Uh awareness to look, it's,
1: it's something that happens every day. Now we hear about it. I think it's, I think it's a hundred million percent deliberate. You know, I think it's part of, it's part of the, the fleecing of the, the middle class, you know, you know, it's, it's part of, of everything. It's like, you know life is unsustainable. I mean, I teach music too, and these kids are all on Adderall, you know, and it's like they're they're eight years old, you know what I mean, and they're falling asleep during their drum lesson and it's 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 weird and and what do you where are you gonna be at eighteen when you actually enter college and and what they give you two hours of homework a night after sitting in school for seven and a half hours and you're a kid, yeah. you know what I mean and then your parents are you you know it's like this deliberate you know, okay it's preschool time. We're going to get you ready for kindergarten. Okay. It's kindergarten time. We're going to get ready for first grade, elementary school. Elementary school is going to get you ready for middle school. Middle school is going to get you ready for high school. High school is going to get you ready for college and college will get you ready for the career of your choice. You know, what happened to being here right now? You know, yeah. what happened to enjoying this now moment where all the power is, you know, right. it's like, yeah, let's worry about the future. And then we'll, we'll never actually enjoy anything about life. So it's a biologically unsustainable place to live where, you know, we start living in our fears and, you know, I like the English word for it I'm loopy, right? Cause they yeah. just stay in a little loop, you know? And sometimes that loop to me, that loop became so chaotic and so abusive. All my mind would say to me is you aren't shit. You aren't shit. You're not a rock star anymore your band so failed, you know, yeah. you guys aren't cool, you, you know, you're not cool, like Disturbed is, or every other band that came out in the <laughs> 90s, you know, you guys were a hair band, you know, we tried right. so hard not to be a hair band, but, you know, we're a <laughs> Hair right. Nation now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, It's, I, I was talking, was talking
0: with, I was talking with a friend of mine the other night and we were having a a very similar conversation about this where, you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm feeling, I'm I'm anxious automatically. And then I, you know, I rush around like a maniac. I've got to get my girl, my, I've got two girls they are 13 and 16 and I've got to get them out of the house and I've got to get them to school and hurry up, don't be late for school and and don't hurry. Come on, let's get in the car and hurry up. Let's do this. And our whole day, Um, every part of it is rushed and. And it's like, if we just step back and it, and it was a huge awakening for me about two years ago mm-hmm. where I just kind of yeah. stepped back and I said, you know what, I got to start living some stuff. And, and about, about yeah. eight years ago, I, I made a decision to, to never say no. I, and, and since yeah. that point I've lived and I've traveled around the world. I mean, JB, I was in mm-hmm. Guam for fucking 36 hours, man, like yeah. cooking for the troops in Guam. I mean, I've done some crazy shit because yeah. I, I don't say no anymore. And I yeah. really tried to slow things down a little bit, and it made a huge impact on my life—a huge—and and, and yeah. the impact around around me with my
1: people, with the people that are yeah. around me, they felt that impact as well. You got to do it, man. You got to do it for yourself, for your health, for your family. You know, I mean, so, you know, here's a really good example. I remember when cell phones came out. Like, when was that? You know, the early two thousands or something. And yeah. and and you'd get like AT and T, which happens to be owned by the Rockefellers you know, moral Illuminati bullshit. And, and it's like, okay, so I'm, I need a plan for my cell phone because, you know, if you don't have a cell phone, you know, I saw a kid once pretending he had a cell phone on his little <laughs> banana bike, you know, and it was yeah. like, and then the light changed and like, he didn't even have a cell phone. I mean, it was, it was like, you know, how are they going to get us to take the chip? Oh, well, they'll just be greatest and say, well, people who don't have a chip want aren't cool, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, but, I would get my bill, it wasn't supposed to be more than $55 a month or $60 a month, right? And it'd be $213 sure. or $350, right? And then yeah, I would yell at the people on, on, at a, on AT&T or Verizon or whoever it was that week, you know? And it's like, and 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 you know, they'd all disagree with you and say, oh, but you had a balance due. How could I have a balance due? I just opened the account, right? right? And it's like, and and you get so mad and then you say, okay, let me put you on hold. And then, you know, you've been on, on the phone with them for two hours. And then, then they hang up on you. They do, the <laughs> person, says, Oh, you're right, Mr. Frank. And then, yep. they, you know, they gave you lip service so they could get you off the phone. And then this would happen like every month. You know, this would happen every two weeks. You know, then all of a sudden your cell phone would be shut off in the, in the center of anything. Okay, and just think what that did to you. Uh, like it or not, you got addicted to that that, that really intense Shit. stress that you were like, okay, so now, like it or not, you you're now addicted to that big adrenaline rush when you call AT and T, right? So how now? How are you going to deal with that? Well, it, the human is such an interesting animal that we can we're the only animal that can actually create stress with our thoughts, you know. Yeah. So we start engaging in thoughts that that engage us in emotions, right? And then all of a sudden, we're producing that chemical we needed to, to feel like that, you know, all we really had to do was think about our last conversation with AT&T and we actually right. get a fix for it. So that cycle becomes you know, so apparent. And if you don't get a like handle on it, like you did, you know what I mean? And, and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, take a moment here and look what you're doing self. So. And it takes a while to like, to re-addict yourself to like good behaviors and, and taking some time, you know, eating some good foods, you know, uh, letting people be, not having to control everybody. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, maybe I'll take that all the time I'm trying to take to control the world and all this stuff that's out of my control. Maybe I'll now I'll take that energy and can try try to control my own thinking. You know, one of my, one and, of my favorite meditations is actually called letting go of control.
0: And it's, oh, wow. it's cool. and, and as, a, and trust me as a chef and, and in the world that I live in where I'm constantly telling people what to do and it, it it pulled me back, it really pulled me back and let me kind of take a look at the whole situations and allowing people to make their own mistakes and, and, and they're going to learn more and they're going to get bigger and better out of what they're doing because you're allowing them, you're giving them the guidance, but you're allowing right. them to live their life as well, instead of trying to control every part of it. And I do it with my children as well. A lot of people say that I'm too yeah. free with my girls, but I'll tell you what, I got two rock stars upstairs, man. These girls are yeah. very, very good, free thinking, you know, they, 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 they can pick the bad seed out of the crowd. Know not to hang out with them. And, um, yeah. you know, so that's
1: a good way. I mean, anything you suppress, you know, anything you push on is going to push back. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like a law of the universe, man. You can't, you, you can't suppress your daughter's needs. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it, sure. It'll just come out when they're 30 right. <laughs> You know what I mean? and it's like, you know, going, you know, it's like parents, you know, you know. It's like, yeah, teach your kids not to hang out with the kids who are, you right. know. But you'll hang out with the kids that you that you are, you're attracted to anyway. Like attracts like, you know what I mean? I mean, teach them how important that is. But you make your own choice. You know what yes. I mean? It's like, and then and then and then they'll remember, like, oh, you know, I'm responsible for this, not my parents, right. not my not the police, you not know. The- it's like I'm responsible for my own happiness in my
0: life,
1: you know. It's, yeah, and uh, you know. Maybe my my sixteen
0: year old uh, was supposed to go get a permit. Her birthday was in February, and I and right. I said, "All right, you take care of this. You're you're 16 years old. You you right. think you can drive a car? You got to get all the paperwork yeah. done. Look, I'll sign the yeah, paper, but you got to sure. get it all done. Guess what, JB? Yeah. It is uh, it is July 20th. Her birthday was February 16th. <laughs> she does. She still doesn't yeah. have her permit because she oh, hasn't right still have all the paperwork. So yeah. Can we go get right. our license? Yeah. Did you fill the paperwork out? No, not yet. Okay, cool. Let me know when you're done. You know, yeah. I mean, and yeah. <laughs> she's, she's the one without her permit now and all the other kids have their permit. So, and she's a very right. responsible kid, but yeah. she's the one without her permit. So. Well, uh, i
1: say that's good parenting. <laughs> I, well, you know, I mean I spend
0: I spend a lot of time communicating with with my children and and with with other people. And and I say to my girls all the time, you know, when it comes to drugs or whatever, I'm like, look, if you've got to put it up your nose, you're gonna put it in an arm, or you know, mm-hmm. you gotta take a pill, then guess what? It's not worth it. If you're gonna you're gonna smoke weed, yeah. it's gonna happen. I'm yeah. not gonna tell you yeah. not to smoke weed, but I'm gonna tell you yeah. do it in somebody's house where you feel safe. Yeah. Don't ever get yeah. in a fucking
1: car with somebody who's been drinking. And yeah. I know, and they're more way less likely to get hooked on it if their parents are giving them permission. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my parents, my parents said this is okay, so yeah. I don't really want to do it that bad. You know, if you if you said no, absolutely no weed, then they go hang out with the stoners sure. all day. They're gonna long. be with the stoners you know all I mean? day. that's yeah, like so. That's how that one works. You know, it's amazing. It's <laughs> and, unbelievable. So yeah. so
0: let me so let me so we I, I got to do this because I do this with every single person I talk to and JB I'll tell you what I wish I've known you for a lot longer than I have because
1: I think we'd have some pretty damn good conversations
0: dude and if uh, I uh, yeah
1: it's going really well I want a copy of this because I'm uh, writing people, this book right now and usually I say my, I say my smartest thing to chicks I'm trying to pick up but this is going <laughs> this going really good <laughs> well we can you <laughs> like, you man, and I, man uh, when did they get so wise you know when I was trying to get laid here you know <laughs> so, well, it's you funny how that miracle well. happens
0: we can play off of each other. Maybe it'll work out for us. I'll come to Jacksonville and we'll go out one night. It'll be fun. We'll go out on some, on a plenty go, of fish. I love it. There um, you go. So, so,
1: so I renamed it Plenty of Fear. Uh,
0: <laughs> I did Max. I did Tinder. <laughs> I did Tinder and Bumble, man.
1: Yeah. That was a weird thing. People look at my thing and say, well, JB, you have a really nice smile. I said, yeah, thanks. It cost me 35 grand. I've been My nose has been broken eight times. But uh, it's like... <laughs> but then it's like, Oh, do you want to meet somewhere? I don't know. You look a little wild. You know, you, you don't look your age. I, you know, I'm afraid this one lady says, you look too young to be 55. You know, it's like, I think people would think you could say that you were my son or something. And it's like, oh, man, geez. can you think of any more excuses? You know, are you lonely? Do you want to meet someone? Right. right. Like my hair's too long where right? I'm too tall I'm too skinny, whatever, <laughs> you know? It's just the, the life is, you know. It's just fear-driven, you know. It's like, well, why do you want even on a dating site if you're afraid to go out with anybody, you know? Yeah. To, you know. So, so I'll just post, post my criminal record. It's just pretty good, <laughs> and it goes good from there. Uh, so, I don't so have here's any a, domestic here. violence. <laughs> what did you say you have? What I said I don't have any criminal domestic violence on my criminal record. Only that's, drug that's drug charges. <laughs> So the one, the one question that
0: I kind of ask everybody who comes on here is, uh, and it's pretty, it's it's a pretty vague question, but, and and most people have to think for a second, but of all the years that you've been doing what you've been doing, can you pick one night that was just the greatest fucking night? Mm. Just like, I mean, and and this, this has gotta be tough for you. You've traveled the world, man. You've seen more shit than most people have in, in, in
1: multiple lifetimes. Well, you know, I think uh, it's all relatives, you know, and it's like, if you haven't done something for a while, then it seems greater than it is, you know, but, uh, you know, and I think too, the more uh, of an enlightened person you are, the more, uh, the more you can appreciate the little things in life. So, I mean, you know, I, I would, you know, I usually my standard answer for that kind of question is, well. That would have to be nineteen eighty-eight Candlestick Park. 80,000 people was my birthday. You wow. know, 50 people came up from Los Angeles to see me play, and we had a party in, in this place until Sammy Hagar needed the room for his family because they were on walkers, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> that was the greatest mind of my life. But, but you know, look look at look the way I described that. You know, I was like, I ended up being mad at Sammy Hagar that night. You know, yeah. something else went wrong, something else went wrong. And, and uh, you know, somehow my ego took over everything. Well, you know, how come we weren't, how come we didn't, you know, get, you know, how come Dawkins, you know, how come we're opening for Dawkins instead of Docking opening for us? We did better on the right. charts than them. And how come they're getting 75 grand and we're getting 10 grand, you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you, it's like, how how much do you enjoy stuff when you live through your ego, which is all complaining about stuff, all comparing stuff, you know? So I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I would have to say the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life is when I took a hit of DMT MEO five in Malibu with six of my friends that were all like spiritual people. And uh, you know, I left this world and I came back with this knowledge and this, better karma and uh you know uh I, I can't you know there's nothing to compare to that you know right in my life and they call it uh, the toad t-o-a-d right temple of authentic divinity and uh so i would have to say that's the most important and the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life was wow. that you know I, I did this divine drug that i got to experience this i got to experience god's technology you know yeah. i got to see the matrix you know i got to see the energy behind the physical world we see you know and that's it was awesome. like you know i felt like i felt like i was jesus you know like I you know like i you know i got to know uh, the real meaning of life there for a second you know <laughs> and uh, and i'd have to say that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me you well, know? there you go nice man yeah. that's a good one i yeah. like that i like that right on well cool yeah. Well, uh,
0: JB, dude, I, 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 I want to thank you so much, man, you know, taking an hour out of your life to spend and have a little conversation with me. I really appreciate it. And I hope that uh, someday yeah. you and I can sit down and have a conversation uh, in person, because yeah. I'd love to know more okay. about what you've gone through yeah. and, and, and what you see. So um, so right thanks on. very much, man. All right. Yeah,
1: stay in touch, man. Holy shit.
0: That is not a conversation that I intended on having. That is not the direction that I thought that this was going to go. I, as I said in the beginning of this, I was going to have a conversation with a rocker, man. You know, this is J.B. Frank. This is the bass player for Kingdom Come, dude. This is a guy who has been on the stage in front of 80,000, 100,000 people. Um, and I'm really glad that we got to learn as much as we did and listen to, uh, kind of his style of thinking and what goes on. Um, JB is, uh, uh, just a, a one, a really nice dude. And, and, and I want to thank you, man. I, I think I made myself a friend tonight and I hope that you and I can sit down someday and, and have a couple of, uh, have a couple night, a couple hours of conversation because it's something that I'd definitely like to hear. And there's some people that I'd love to introduce you to as well. So JB Frank, thank you so much for your time. Everybody do me a favor. If you're on Facebook, JB is not a big Instagram guy, not a big Twitter guy, but he's on Facebook. As he says, he likes to be a little bit old school. Um, so go over to there, go over there, tell him that you heard about, uh, you know, this podcast and you really enjoyed having him talk and um, That's something that's important to me. I like to get every guest out there. I like to get them as much exposure as possible. So, um, so thank you again, J.B. Frank. I really appreciate that. And then uh, we're going to close this up, but I got a couple of people that I have to thank because this show would not happen without them. I absolutely have to thank the amazing, talented artistry um, and illustration work that's done by Maggie Gagliardi. If you're on Instagram and Twitter, check her out. It's at mags, M a G Z a R T. Um, she is just a true professional and just a great visionary for what she comes up with, with her work and her illustrations. Um, got to thank uh, techno solution or techno. Um, uh, yeah. How about that? I can't believe it. Techno solutions. Um, they're out there in breeze, Illinois. They take care of all of my website stuff. Michelle's amazing. Does great graphic design work as well. And then always have to thank the boys over there. RadioInfluence.com. Jerry and Jason, who, uh, Tonight really hooked me up with uh, hopping on the call with me because my Skype wasn't working and neither was JB's, but we were able to get that interview done because of this. So that is tech. That is uh, uh, radioinfluence.com. They also have a tremendous amount of other podcasts, guys. You've heard me have conversations with guys like Ian Beckles. You've heard me have conversations with, you know, the amazing Kathy Suzwitz. Uh, you know, these guys do a great job, everything from sports over to political, to cops, to every angle of it. So check out their stuff. Check out some of their podcasts. I got a feeling you're going to be pretty much pleasantly surprised. Um, So that's it. This is it for episode number 22 of Duffified Live. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. And come on, send me some questions on Twitter. I'd love to answer them. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at ChefDuffified. B-R-I-D-U-F-F look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show this has been
1: Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence Hey guys and gals, this is Ian Beckles. You may know me from my nine seasons in the NFL or from listening to me in sports radio for years. But now you get to see and hear the real me, uncensored me and also unfiltered as well, on my new podcast, Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear. What's Flavoring Your Ear? I'll tell you what it is. It's a whole lot of fun. Food, fashion, sports, sex, politics, and my personal adventures as well. And a whole lot more food. Make sure to check out Ian Beckle's Flavoring Your Ear each Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.